And welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and I think we can say congratulations to Ross County on their promotion back to the Premiership. If the Staggies don't go up, we're probably going to feel pretty stupid, but not as much as they will. Who will they be playing next season? St Mirren are building up steam, Hamilton are hanging in, but Dundee just look doomed. Heckenbottom's a bit in love, and Celtic are a bit insipid. Plus, the pendulum swings in the race for Europe as Clark kicks off. Kelly end with eight men against Aberdeen as we ask, what is it about Aberdeen players that other teams just don't like? There are three of us in the studio today, although who knows how many we'll end up with. Hello, Anthony Joseph. You look like a yellow card type of player. Do I? Is yeah, that, you look that, like a studs up kind of guy. Is that because I've come in shorts and t-shirts, shorts ready and t-shirt. for action? You're ready for your ankles <laughs> to be raked. Uh, and alongside him, a man who's definitely going off for descent. It's JJ Bull. Anthony's a clean player. I've never, yeah, nev- never, never been hard. booked. Never been booked. Is in that right? Juvenile or amateur football or anything. JJ, have I've you ever been booked? Of course not. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was mugged on Thursday night and I came away with all my stuff, so I did well. Oh, did you? you were, I did. Yeah. Were you really? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, wait a minute. Home, yeah. You were almost mugged. No, I was mugged. I'd had enjoyed an evening of pubness. Pubness. I was drunk. Pubness. And I, um, but I managed. Uh, yeah, I was, I was mugged, and I managed to get my phone back and sort of stall them long enough to get into the light away from the park. By the way, everyone, don't walk through a park at night. Drunk. Uh, drunk. Just don't do it. I was going to ask if you had a good Easter weekend. No. <laughs> but if anything, I had not. a bad Friday. Yeah. yeah. I didn't get my, I didn't lose my stuff though. Well, that's so, good. Well done. Yeah. Congratulations. What Thanks. What did you get up to, Anthony? Uh, just out drinking as well, getting pubness. What is with <laughs> you two? That's very unprofessional. Yeah. <laughs> Going out and drinking. How dare you, man? T- took in English, you... English football action for all my sins. Yeah. Oh, did you know what did you see? West Ham against Leicester. At the football? At the football. In Stratford? In Stratford. It's just not quite see as nice Brendan as Brendan Rodgers to... is getting on. Yeah. Oh, really? How yeah. is he? He was celebrating a last-minute equaliser. Wow. He's wow. doing really well at Leicester, yeah, actually. Is. Yeah, he turns well, out he's a good manager. Um, do you want to know what I got up to at the weekend? Yeah. No. But tell me. I went up home drinking. It was great fun. So unprofessional. Yeah. Went and saw the mighty Queen of the South again. With a massive win. 2-0 against Dunfermline. That's very nice. It's huge. Absolutely <laughs> huge. It's mental at the bottom did, of the championship. Did you get voice spotted again? I did bump into Martin again. That's did, good. Did you get another selfie? No, he didn't. He didn't. You declined. I didn't decline. I didn't <laughs> ask for one. Um, but yes, I bumped into Martin again. My um, my Dumfries stalker. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, he'll, he will be listening to this. I'm sorry, Martin. But I was in one pub and he was there. I mean, he was already there. But then I went into three more pubs in Dumfries and he was in all three of them. But isn't that I just like arrived. a night out in Dumfries though? That's just what you do, right? Yeah, to yeah. be fair, it was, there's a kind of route that I normally go... And from where I started, most people would go that route. Well, do you so, know someone else who probably had a good night out? Erin Cuthbert, by any chance? Well, probably, but probably drinking water or Lucasade or another energy drink. She's a professional. Yes, she is. Ah. And you're, I, I assume you're alluding to um, her being nominated for PFA Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year. That's right. She plays for Chelsea. Yeah, she's awesome. She's really good. She's a very good really, player. Really, really good. Well, we can be proud of the women, but unfortunately, we have to talk about the men. It's been coming, and last Thursday it became official. 
Alex McLeish was sacked as Scotland manager after just 14 months of his second spell in charge. We're joined now by Stefan Binkowski from the BBC and the 2.1. It's been a month since the defeat in Kazakhstan, so Stefan, what's been going on for the last month? Oh, in typical Scottish football fashion, it's been absolute mayhem. Uh, <laughs> one storm in a teacup after another, uh, and only the way that really Scottish people imagine can do. Um, but there has been kind of some justification behind it. Obviously, the defeat to Kazakhstan and the kind of tepid performance against San Marino really just dumped a whole amount of you know jet fuel on top of the flame that's kind of always been burning um, among a lot of Scotland fans. With regards to Alex McLeish, he, he got through the Nations League qualification campaign by the skin of his teeth. Um, and that didn't really put anyone in either camp, either they were for or against McLeish. They didn't really suggest to anyone that, you know, things were about to change. The people who thought McLeish was a decent enough appointment maybe pointed to it and said, look, he's at least getting the job done. But the people who were against the appointment said, you know what, that's not really, it's not very convincing at all. I'm sure people outside of Scotland may be kind of rolling their eyes at the thought that the Scotland national team, who haven't been to a major competition since 1998, should be going to places like Kazakhstan and demanding wins. Um, but their recent record suggests they weren't a particularly strong side. And mm-hmm. yeah. despite what some may think of Scottish football, the kind of current crop of players that have come through recently do suggest that um, fans can begin to raise their expectations. Um, and as we've seen, the Scottish FA finally decided to fall in line with the majority of the Tarn army in saying that McLeish might not be the man to do that. If you look at the manner in which Scotland have qualifying games coming up, there's about two months now between um, now and the home game to Cyprus and the away match to Belgium. That gives a new manager the opportunity to get his feet under the desk and really make sure he picks up three points against Cyprus. I think the game obviously in Belgium is not much we can expect from that. But what's quite crucial is two months after that is the double header at home at Hamden to Belgium and Russia. I think that's what the Scottish FA will be really looking for a new manager to build up some momentum. McLeish, to his credit, never really had much support in regards to the friendlies that he was stuck playing. He was forced to go in this bizarre South American tour where he was playing teams that were about to go to the World Cup. He came back home and then played Belgium again of all sides. So he never really got friendly matches to actually build a squad or build any momentum. I think if there's anything the Scottish FA hopefully will learn from McLeish's tenure, it was that you know this team are very young, they're very inexperienced. There's a lot of new faces and whoever's coming in next is really going to have to have a few friendly matches between those qualifiers I've mentioned so that they can really nail down a starting 11 and some momentum. Even his appointment brought some criticism because it felt almost like jobs for mates you know the, the SFA were vocal and pretty vocal enough and the fact they were going for Michael O'Neill from Northern Ireland they failed to get him and then Alex McLeish rocks up and Alan McRae the, the president kind of just goes oh well I'll let you know it's it felt a bit laddie in a way so it it wasn't a great start for him so does this spell that he's had now overshadow what he did in the past in 2007? I think the manner in which he left the first time might overshadow what he did the first time for a lot of Scotland fans, to be honest with you. You're quite right in saying that McLeish was no favourite among a lot of Scotland fans because of the manner in which he left, uh, I think it was for Birmingham City. Mm. Um, And unfortunately for him again, the manner in which he came into this job, he was second, maybe third choice. There was suggestions that Walter Smith was who they went to after Michael O'Neill, and he, he also turned the job down. And as you said, there's now this ethos, there's a suggestion out of the Scottish FA that there's no real 
due diligence being made, or at least there wasn't back then. And when the board ran out of ideas, they just went and appointed a manager who they were friends with, and one who, with the greatest respect, McLeish hadn't done a lot in the game for quite some time. And, you know, you can say what you want about what McLeish did on the pitch and what he did with the squad. Um, you can maybe even argue that he was quite brave in the players they brought into the squad, the younger players, but everything around him from the manner in which the Scott Schaefer behaved from his appointment onwards really didn't do him any favours. And I think that's, as you said, that's just going to compound this kind of concept that McLeish and the SFA mm. uh, have just been completely abject over the last, what, 12, 18 months. We should move on and talk about a few names that we should expect in the hat. Guys, what do you expect to hear over the next coming weeks? The tartan and hat. The tartan hat. I think yep. if, we're, if we're going Scottish, then it's got to be Steve Clark or Derek McInnes. Both have done so well in Scotland. They know the Scottish Premiership well. McInnes especially is maybe at the right time to leave Aberdeen. I feel he may even think that he's at the end of the cycle. Mm-hmm. I know Steve Clark said that he wants his next job to live in England mm. after the, all the sectarian stuff that was going on. But um, he can still live in England and be Scotland manager. Gordon Strachan did that yep. and Alex McLeish did that. I think those are the two prime targets for Scottish managers. I heard Alex Neil's name mentioned as well, but he's just signed a new deal at Preston. That's right, yeah. Um, it's hard to think of foreign managers who'd want the job. I know Billich has put his name into the hat and therefore if, if Billich wants it as well, I think I would take him as well. But whoever comes in... They've got to get the squad right. They've got to find their best team by next March because taking away this Euro qualifiers mm-hmm. group just now, then it's the playoffs really that we're we're looking at because the Nations League yeah, playoff. The, the Nations League playoff yeah. because by then we need to have our best team. We're two games away from qualifying for a major tournament, and it's really important that we we do it. We've got to have that team ready by March. JJ, do you agree with that? Would you be happy to see Derek McInnes go from uh, Aberdeen? <laughs> um, I think he gets paid so much at Aberdeen, him and, and Tony Doherty, that I don't know whether he'd want to leave such a sort of stable, reliable job. Do you not think he would get similar type of money at the Scotland job? Um, I don't know. I think they pay less. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they pay Alex McLeish. I think, obviously, managing your country would be quite a cool thing to do, but it's coming to an end, this cycle, and he's going to have to rebuild. Mm-hmm. But there is a stadium coming, and he... It seems like he does quite like what he's doing. I'm not sure whether he'd take it on because it's kind of a it's kind of a losing job. There's not much you can get out of it now. Uh, Steve Clark's the obvious one as well. I liked what England have done with hiring Southgate, someone who's maybe not that famous, but someone who's quite involved in international football, insight knows it knows it well. Has worked through the youth system. That's important because you want to work with whatever the sort of I can't remember what the Scottish DNA thing's called. They call uh, Project Brave. Project Brave. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm Mackay's project. He's the he was the brainchild of that. He's certainly but, brave when it comes yeah. to so you, incorrectly you, worded text messages. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. So, well, if let's, you get anywhere near it, that's an absolute shambles, baby. I mean, you know, he's, he said sorry <coughs> and whatever else, but you can't have Malcolm Mackay. Well, he also said he's that he's in a top job at the SFA, though. I mean, would it not be a bit? I, I know the Scotland jobs. You know, I, I, it's a class job, of course it is. But if he left this project brave to try and take the Scotland job full time. It seems a little bit kind of like, well, that's more important, surely, because that's the next generation that's coming through. And if if he was to redeem himself in football in any way, that would be pretty impressive if you saw 15 years down that's, the line a great team. That's the other thing you were talking about, money. And do Aberdeen pay more than Scotland? Uh, I'm not sure. But the, the thing about money is if we qualify for a major tournament, for the Euros, it's like £10 million. 
goes mm. straight to the Scottish mm-hmm. FA. Mm-hmm. If it's the World Cup, I think it's just over twelve million. Yeah. We've been missing out on that for twenty-one years. That's nearly a hundred million pounds yeah, of money. Either. <laughs> I don't, but but that's money. But this is why it's really important for us because we're getting left behind. We need to qualify for a major tournament, and that's ten million pounds straight into Scottish football that we weren't getting before. Well, yeah, and look, we need we need to be getting this kind of money, otherwise we're going to be left further behind. Yeah, the SFA are without a sponsor for the men's national team, yeah. but the women's team have got a sponsor. Because they're class and they're doing a great job. Just to pick up on what you said earlier, JJ, about you know you liked the English FA had kind of ad- yeah, adopted this kind of system, coming through yeah. someone who's who's part of the the wheel. Um, so would you kind of advocate the Scott Gemmell as being you know someone that we could bring through? I don't know enough about Scott Gemmell, so I can't possibly say. But He's the under twenty one manager. I know that bit. So similar. I know to who he Gareth is, <laughs> and he also wears a waistcoat. I've never seen his teams play, so it's impossible to say. I've not heard him speak. And what I do like is that well, we have heard our producer heard from a very reliable source that Scott's first name is actually Scotland. Yeah, that's why it has one T. Yeah, Scotland Gemmel. And all he needs, cool. all he needs, if he wants to get the top job, is to get Jason Scotland as his assistant. He's managing the under 18s at Hamilton, so he he's on his way. Aberdeen players surrounding Broadfoot, and it's a red card for the Kilmarnock defender. He's intercepted, here's Cheney. He's caught by Finlay, and he's already on a yellow. And it's a second yellow for Stuart Finlay. And Rory McKenzie, the referee, goes to his pocket, it's a red card. What is it about Aberdeen at Rugby Park? Derek McInnes' men won there for the 10th time in succession, overtaking Kilmarnock into third place and possible European qualification. Scott McKenna with the only goal of the game, sandwiched in between three red cards for Kilmarnock. In fact, Kilmarnock have now had four red cards against Aberdeen this season. That's one more than Alfredo Morelos. (laughs) Um, Steve Clark delivered... An amazing but brutal assessment of Stephen McLean, the referee. JJ, do you want to take us through some of the things that he said? Sure, I'll do that. Uh, it was the worst refereeing performance I've ever seen in my life. He used to be on the FIFA list, now he's not. He struggles to referee Kamarnock games because his dad played here for so long. I don't think he's referee Kamarnock games anymore. Now, sure enough, Stephen McLean's dad, uh, Stuart, played over 500 times for Kilmarnock. Mm-hmm. That's really, really harsh. And also, they were all red cards. <laughs> yeah. It's not his fault. That they were, I mean, I've seen some dreadful refereeing performances. This was just a weird game. It was a really, really was, weird it game. It was one of those where, in isolation, they are all red cards. Yeah. But I think his, his comments are coming from the, the management of the game. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think there was a point where you weren't sure where these decisions were coming from and there was a general view that McLean didn't have control of this game but 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 in, that, but, in, but in terms of what Clark said it was really harsh it's it's hard because Clark because Clark because Clark doesn't really rant and rave or, or go like shout or anything like that on in press conferences mm-hmm. he he sounds very calculated and everything and it was a lot to take in what he what he actually said and it got very weirdly personal as well and to bring his dad, fair enough. If you're criticising him and saying that he's not on the FIFA list or anything, that's all fact. And you can you can criti- you can criticise yeah. a performance, but he was suggesting there was a lack of integrity there because of who his dad was, and I think that was really out of order. From he also Clark. said, and I'm in quotation marks, in private, I have said it would be better if McLean didn't referee Kilmarnock games, but now I'm publicly saying it. It's almost like, well, who is he privately saying that to? Um, well, do you know what I would do if I was at the SFA, the first referee I'd put in next, charge of the next, next game. game? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be bad if the SFA don't 
make him have another Kelly game because that's a dangerous precedent to set if managers are speaking out about a referee saying I don't want him to manage another game of ours yeah. and then him not getting another well, Kelly well, why don't Why don't we go into a couple of the incidents then um, and I'll start with the Sam Cosgrove one um, when he escaped a second yellow for a challenge Hello. on Greg Taylor his first yellow I don't think it's a yellow if I'm honest, but when he when he jumps, he kind of has his elbows high. Yeah, but his his eye is on the ball. But so, it's, for a, so, it's for a few of them. He does it all the time. Yeah. And uh, this this game in context, the ball was in the air longer than it was near <laughs> the ground. I, and I'm not even trying to be funny. Like it was about, I think it would be on the pitch for a total of about ten minutes of the entire ninety. It was just punt, 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 head, 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 head. Absolutely dreadful game. Cosgrove's leaping for the ball. There's a bit of a battle between everyone on here, mm-hmm. and he could easily have been sent off before halftime. No surprise that he got taken off by McInnes, because if he'd stayed on, the next foul he committed, he would have been off. Yeah. I think McLean was trying to manage that, because he could see that it was just... He was getting sent off, basically. Because he, w- yeah. he was involved for the yellow on Stuart Finlay, I think. Yeah, they were, they just were both before the they both like, so yeah. They were so, both grappling each other, I was like. Yeah, exactly. So that was a bit I mean that was handbags again. I, I'm kind of trying to direct the chat to the point of is McLean managing the game or is he getting sucked into just the the physicality of it all? There were there were loads of little um, horrible kicks going on, but both teams were treating it like it was kind of Sunday league. It was mm. absolutely no quality. It was just a rubbish 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 game. The fouls that were going in were dreadful. The thing with Kurt Broadfoot's one, and I can see why Clark's annoyed with it because he says he's not going in to harm him, but we've seen Broadfoot do ropey things before. I'm not saying he did here. Yeah, like the one against Morelos at half-time going off and scraping his studs out. I don't think he meant it at all. He was always stretching. He just had no control over himself. And it it was just reckless. But I I think it was still still a red card. It was just reckless. There was no malice there, I don't think. Yeah, would you not think... If it was yellow, you'd be like, I see why that's a yellow too, right? Yeah. I can see why it's either. I think it was because where his studs landed, it kind of clipped his face. I think anywhere else than a yellow card, but I can see why it was. I, I well, think it was a red card. Um, the second yellow card for Stuart Finlay was six minutes to go. Uh, just, the, there was no complaints yeah, from Clark there, was there? Yeah. Um, and then Rory McKenzie was booting Don Ball while he's lying on the ground. Yeah, That's the wrong <laughs> word I would use. I don't think he's booting him. Sorry, it's he's a, digging a his foot into him. He does it twice. He, he does it twice. Yeah, he does it twice. Yeah. You don't properly see it in the replay, the second but, one. Because from what I saw, and I'm basing this on the rule states like, is a brutality and, and aggression to, to hurt the player. Is it not just a little bit of frustration? And even Don Ball, like, knees. Is there like a the... rule about dickishness yet? They should have that in. Because <laughs> he's, he's just been like, like a little weasel. Because I think Ball's back is to the referee. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing. And I think what Clark's annoyed about with that with that red card, maybe not that it's a red card, but that the referee couldn't have seen it. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because McKenzie's been really smart while he's <laughs> really smart while he kicks someone in the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what's really wound him up so much. So I can see where that comes from. But neither team deserved to win that game. I would rather get them both. Third definitely qualifies for the Europa League. Fourth will qualify if Celtic win the Scottish Cup. It's good news for Hibs. Yeah. Who will finish fourth? Saints keeping it going it's Mullen you just sense that this is massive for St Mirren it was a massive win for St Mirren against 10-man Livingston at Almondville on Saturday by three goals to one we're joined now by Graham McPherson from the St Mirren Supporters Trust Graham you were in the relegation playoff but now you're six points clear of Dundee. Are you looking up rather than down? Well, you can never be too sure where someone are concerned. There's, there's never a dull moment, but I th- think after 
what's been a fairly wretched season so far, I think there is maybe a bit of optimism. And as you say, they can maybe start thinking about trying to catch Hamilton rather than maybe worrying about Dundee behind them. Um, Dundee's still only six behind them, so they could still be caught. But I think all the focus will be on trying to get that 10th spot because I don't think they really fans are taking their chances and their players if they can at all avoid it. So they've managed to get it back in their own hands, which is the main thing. Um, so if they kind of win the remaining games, they'll be safe. But that's obviously easier said than done. Do you think there's much to be said about momentum if you were to finish in the relegation playoff spot? Whoever you face from the championship, momentum could play a key part in staying up. Yeah, I mean, someone have got 24 points so far this season. The first 12, it took them 25 games to get that. The second 12 have only taken nine games. So you can see they're starting to build something. Uh, Oren Kearney made a lot of changes in January. He brought in a lot of new players, a lot of them from overseas as well. And it was always going to take time for these guys to bed in, but I think finally it's time to see them jealous. A lot of the injured players have come back and it's taken them, well, obviously towards the last five games of the season, but finally they're starting to show a bit of consistency. You can see in their performances week after week that a kind of team unit is growing there. So if they, if they do go into the playoffs, then you would hope that would go in their favour. When the season started, it feels like ages ago now, um, what were your expectations after after you know, lost Jack Ross in the summer and he's done really well at Sunderland? What do you think was going to happen? I think the feeling was that Alan Stubbs was an experienced pair of hands. Obviously, he'd done well at Hibs winning the Scottish Cup. It hadn't gone so well at Rotherham, but they went into the, the League Cup campaign and it went fairly disastrously. Um, he let the, a lot of the guys who won the championship either froze them out or he let them go. He brought in a lot of players with hadn't played professional or first-team football. So I think alarm bells first to ring at that point. Um, they won the first game of the season against Dundee. But um, the kind of stories of unrest behind the scenes kept growing. Didn't seem to be any kind of team unit there. And although he, he left after only four league games, I don't think there was too many St. Martin fans sad to see Alan Stubbs go because it just obviously wasn't working out. And they took a punt in Oren Kearney. He'd been on their shortlist again in the summer. And they went for him second time around. And hopefully now we're seeing that they've made the right choice. The good thing about the split is you, you're up against your nearest rivals every week. You're not going to Celtic Park or, or Ibrox and trying to get a win there. So it's in their own hands. I think maybe the SPFL have been kind to them. They've left the Hamilton and Dundee games to the last two. So someone's first three matches against the three teams, I guess, with nothing really to play for. So if you can get to the point where you're pushing Hamilton or, you're almost, or maybe over, overtake them before you play them in the fourth match, then you, know, you may have that bit of momentum that we spoke about and you go into these games in a lot of confidence. Yes. Who do you think is the better team out of St Mirren and Hamilton? Like, not deserves it, it's the wrong word, but who do you think is more likely to do better next season, say, if they were to manage to stay up rather than be in that uh, automatic spot? Jesus, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, obviously, they took a bit of a punt on uh, Brian Rice because he'd never managed before and he'd obviously been the assistant manager at St Mirren, which was an interesting mid-season transfer. Um yeah, I mean, it's kind of cliched, but Hamilton seemed to have that way where they can dig out results when they need them. You know, they, they, went, they went up and won at Pataudry, for example, and nobody expected that. So, um, yeah, I guess it depends what happens in the summer. I think Simon, regardless of whether they stay up or not, will have to change the whole squad. So a lot of the players are on short-term deals. Hamilton will probably be similar. They'll lose a few players as well. So you're probably looking at two new squads for to start the season again. But I don't think there's a huge amount between them at the moment. Um, I think if it does come down to that game on the second last game of the season, then uh, yeah, it'll be very tight. Monday night football, but yeah, it should be interesting but tight. So this game started um, kind of in St Mirren's favour. Craig Halkett sent off after 17 minutes. Deemed to be last man for a foul on our good mate Brad Lyons. Uh, correct decision from Willie Collum, our best mate. 
Halkett doesn't get the ball at all. He's, he does get the ball. No, he doesn't. He does. No, he doesn't. He clips. And you know what? He takes his left foot and yeah, I'm sorry, watch it from a front if angle. If you're going from the sports scene highlights, nope. right? it's wrong. The high behind the goal yeah, okay. clearly shows there's no touching the ball at all. He just takes his left leg. He doesn't even get his right leg he at does. all. All right, I'm watching it right now again. Watching it, watching it live, folks. See, I swapped it from guys to folks. Uh, that's that's a bit more normal. It's close. It's I can see why it's a red. Yeah. <laughs> but so it, you it, rescind it then? No, I, I still think, it, from what I've seen, it looks like um, he's touched the ball. And from what the referee has seen, maybe he thinks he's touched the ball too. So, no, no, team no, referee. No, 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 if the referee said, thinks he touched the ball, he, he wouldn't send him off. Well, it was... As you know, it's Easter weekend. <laughs> Saturday is opposite day. So, yeah, okay. I'm surprised no you didn't know That's that. <laughs> um, it looked like it would have played into St Mirren's hands, and it eventually did. But Livingston took the lead after that. And then um, Paul McGinn, brother of John, the got mod- the equaliser. Yeah. The modern fullback. Up attacking the right wing, running into the box after a one-two. That's that's how the pros yeah, do it. Yeah, from a nice tight angle as well. It was good. Uh, yeah. What a finish! Yeah, yeah and, but also Danny Mullins' finish was really good as well. Yeah, that that's cool. the way the way he took it down on his right and then moved his body around and just half volleyed it into the bottom corner. It's it a pinger. Brilliant. Yeah, it's the kind of thing I would and, definitely put over the bar. And they really <laughs> needed that because it looked like in that they were had quite a few chances before that, and just you were just thinking they're not gonna not gonna get this winner mm. and. Then Mullen pulls that one out of the bag and then they score three minutes later as well to finish it off. Livingston have been excellent at home this season. It's yeah, one of the reasons why... Yeah, they're done now, aren't they? Like, yeah, the season's done. I mean, what do you expect of... Uh, uh, it's maybe a little bit silly to be asking this, but are you expecting more of the same from Livingston next season? Is it is it going to be a summer where they're going to lose the likes... Of, well, they're already going to lose Craig Halkett. They're probably going to lose a few more of their better players. They'll be the Hamilton of next season, probably. Well, OK. It'll be a tough bottom six next season. But it'll be mostly a, bo- a tough bottom four or three. Just like this season. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Rangers denied Celtic the opportunity to win the title at the weekend with a comprehensive 3 1 victory over Hearts at Tynecastle. In fact, it's four wins out of four against Hearts this season for Steven Gerrard's side. A pretty dominant performance as well. Yeah, Rangers were very good in this game. I think this is one of their best performances under Gerrard. And they were really exciting to watch. It was mm. like a lot of free-flowing football. They were completely dominating the game from start to finish. And Hearts couldn't really handle them. It was like Carfield, Candeas and Defoe. They, they just didn't know what to do with them. Hearts, as well, were also poor. But when they were in possession, they, there was times when they were passing it about. They almost felt like, oh, we've had the ball too long. Instead of playing the simple pass, they just went long diagonal. Then they lose possession again. And, and Rangers were brilliant. But Hearts, Hearts really should have... Yeah. I think that's Hearts' style of progressive yeah. play, though, is to boot it and then move up the pitch. Yeah, but but I would disagree with that from the first half of the season. Because I remember watching Hearts and thinking, this isn't a Craig Levine side I'm watching. This was some really interesting football I'm seeing. It was Most of it was on the deck. But, it but I, the I, game. I see now a Craig Levine side of old. Um, where it's really not, and it is quite one-dimensional, route one football, mm-hmm. just looking to lump it up to Uchek Piezu, which is fine. And I know they've got injuries, I know they're, they're, they're missing a lot of key players, but Rangers just made them look like a bottom six side. It's a problem yeah. when you've got, like, so Rangers have a much stronger midfield, so they're always going to win that battle. So one of the things Hearts were doing were trying to just bypass that. Mm. 
but you don't want to just you have to keep the ball you can't always be lumping it you have to keep it for a bit like Tony's saying you've got to keep it for a wee bit and it is almost like they get bored I've seen loads of Scottish teams it's, it's do that like they, they don't know what to do there were so many times where there was a simple pass often to to Zoom in the middle of the pitch yeah. but they'd just they'd lump up it's like we've, we've had the ball too long no just keep it just you, keep just keep players passing players are scared about. aren't yeah, they because they, they drop into that like sixth place and they get the ball they don't know what they're meant to do with it they, to they turn because if you lose it there you're in real trouble especially when Rangers in the first 15 minutes tackle you in the middle of the park yeah. and then go flying up and score I mean, the, the, no one wanted to be that man again everyone's too scared of the ball Hearts were um, dealt a blow I think in the warm up because Sean Clare took ill in the warm up so they were a man down I think it was Craig Whiten who came on and he was at fault for the first goal so Jermaine Defoe's came in and scored this goal that's 7 goals and 7 assists in 16 games for Rangers he's playing his part for Rangers when it took a quite a slow time for him to do that I think I want more from him yeah <laughs> 7 goals in 16 games I don't know. So you have seven, to look seven at where goals and from. It's assists as well in 16 games, so that's almost a goal and assist per game. He's doing well, but I, I just don't think he's a player that Rangers can rely on. I can see why he's in there. He will, he will score goals, he'll set up goals, he'll play his part. But if he's someone every week, playing up front every week, I don't think you can rely on him producing every week. I think he'll be all right next season. Now he's had like a taste and has sussed it out, mm-hmm. I think he'll probably be a lot better. He could very well it takes be. Takes a while to suss out Scottish football. It's very like Scottish Premiership is a lot different to other oh, leagues. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a lot mm-hmm. faster, so you don't get as much time on the ball to think because someone absolutely clatters into you, mm-hmm. and you have to be aware. And that's maybe a. I know he's played at Premier League level, international, so he should be quite good <laughs> at dealing with these sorts of things. I don't know. Hearts are a lot better in the second half, but they couldn't be much worse than they were in the no. first. Do you think Hearts have got one eye in the cup? Because you had Craig Levine come out post match and. Just not really react to any of the questions about the game in particular. It was just very much like, well, do you know what? I have to believe that the next game is going to be better. He, he kind of, he yeah. didn't want to slay any of his players. He just they kind of wanted also, to keep they it. They should also all be itching to be in that cup final starting eleven. Their performances should be. I can see why they drop off if there's not so much to play and play for in the league. But hopefully, then they'll start ramping it up in the next couple of weeks. Mm. I mean, in saying context, like Rangers are a lot better than Hearts just now. So, yeah. well, they pl- played four-one-four against Hearts. That's very good. Yeah, thirty-one's not a terrible score. Mm-hmm. Just that first half performance wasn't great. Again, I think Hearts will be better next season. But a lot of Hearts fans are really, really running out of patience with Craig Levine, and it sounds like a lot of them want change. The Championship, League One, League Two. What's going on? Here's Neil White with the answers. Ross County are champions after just one season away. Brian Graham's perfect hat-trick, or at the very least one that was distributed fairly evenly around the edges of his towering frame, gave them a 3-1 win at air on Friday. Then the United are 6 points and 18 goals back with 2 to play. United will wait out the first round of playoffs. They are safe in second now after a 2-0 win at Inverness. The only unknown is whether Inverness or air will have home advantage in the second leg. Robbie Nielsen, the United manager, seems to have settled on the strike pairing of Pavel Safranco and Paul McMullen in the run-in. They were both on target again. At the bottom, it was a seismic 90 minutes of football. Partick Thistle started in 10th, but they came from behind to beat Alloa 2-1. Scott McDonald won it for Thistle, and what else is there to say about him as a signing? In pure value terms, getting him on a Bosman from BBC Scotland in February has been the coup of the season. 
Morton won 2-0 at Falkirk, Greg Kilty and Charlie Telfer with two huge goals. No response from Falkirk in front of yet another big, angry crowd at the Bernabeu. Queen of the South came up with a 2-1 win at home to Dunfermline under massive pressure. Big goals from Josh Todd and Ian Wilson, who's on loan from Kilmarnock. So, starting at the bottom, Falkirk started the weekend out of the drop zone and are now at the bottom on 35. They face the top two teams in the division in their remaining fixtures. Next, it's Partick on 37 and with a game in hand over everybody else at the bottom. Their trip to air on Tuesday is massive. Then on 38 points, Alloa and Queen of the South. Morton are on 40 and Unfermline on 41 points could still get dragged into it. League One, champions Arbroath drew 2-2 with Wraith on Sunday. So it's still Arbroath, Forfa, Wraith and Montrose need a point now to clinch the last playoff position after they won 2-1 at Airdrie. They were helped by Dumbarton's 3-0 win over East Fife, who have collapsed in the final quarter of the season. And with that, Dumbarton are safe, as are Stranra, who beat Brecon 3-0. So, Brecon and Stennis Muir are both on 35 points at the bottom, but Stenny will need the better results in the final two games as Brecon have an eight-goal advantage. League 2 beat Sterling at home on Saturday and Peterhead will win the division. They were 2-1 winners in Elgin thanks in large part to a penalty save by Greg Fleming who got down low to stop Ross McIver from making things a bit sticky. Only Clyde can stop the blue tune. They battered Berwick 5-0 and Berwick have to win both of their last two games to avoid the relegation playoff of Doom. And that's because Albion Rovers, for so long this season, the losingest team in the land, beat longtime League 2 leaders Edinburgh City 3-2. Two brilliant volleys from Smart Osadalor, who also nabbed them a point at Peterhead in injury time last week. Smart, a sub-editor's dream, was signed on loan from Queen's Park just before the door closed in February, back when Albion Rovers were dead and buried. He's like a Nigerian Scott McDonald. We should mention Cove Rangers, champions of the Highland League. They had some very sad news over the weekend that their manager, John Sherrin, had suffered a heart attack on Sunday. Um, Sherrin is thankfully recovering after an operation and we at the Totally Scottish Football Show sent him all of our best wishes. They've got a huge game on Saturday, guys, as well, against Lowland League champions East Kilbride in the playoffs. So everyone should keep a close eye on that game. Should be a good one. Imagine losing that after the whole season of getting to top. It's so unfair. Well, Cove yeah. got through to the, the playoff I know, and final then you, you still time, got to play another game after that. Well, yeah. yeah, well, they played Cowdenbeath last season. Like they lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they got three players sent off <laughs> in injury time. Um, we should also mention it's not quite as important as the fact that um, John Sheeran has survived a heart attack. But uh, Fort Williams scored a goal on the weekend. Another goal which... Brings them to what minus forty three goal difference? Oh no, no, it's way <laughs> no, worse than like that. And oh really? Oh yeah. Uh, I'll just tell you, it's um, minus two hundred, two hundred and forty goals they've conceded. Jesus, which is pretty good going. Now, barring a mathematical miracle, Ross County are back in the Premiership at the first time of asking after victory at Air last Friday night. We welcome back Ross County supporter liaison officer Kenny McLennan to the podcast. Stuart Kettlewell and Stephen Ferguson, joint manager of Ross County, just sum up the job they've done, Kenny. Um, absolutely amazing. The guys have ticked all the boxes, basically, when they got the job. And as far as I'm concerned, they've delivered everything that was asked of them. You know, considering they've had horrendous um, injuries to, 
you know, if you look at Liam Fontaine, Ian Vigers and Billy Mackay, that's the spine of our team, effectively. Yeah, the only player that probably in that spine that we haven't lost is Scott Fox. But um, that's three key players. That's just three um, of about probably six players that, that um, are missing. So, that, you know, taking that into consideration as well, it's, it's it's fantastic. And to be fair, they've been the most consistent team probably over the season. You know, some of the supporters would say the football hasn't... Uh, Hasn't been that great at times, but then you know sometimes you've just got to grind it out. What do you think? Will, uh, what do you think will happen next? Do you uh, do you think they'll need to bring different players in of a higher standard? Do you think they can keep the same style of football going next season? I think um, they'll, they'll obviously have to be a recruitment drive. Obviously, I think yeah. I mean, uh, some of the guys I think only signed um, one year deals as well. Some of them, so I, I don't know. Um, there's quite a few of them I think out of contract, but I would think the majority of them will want to want to stay because there's a really good. There's a really good feeling about the squad. You know, you can see that when they score goals and stuff. They're all, they're all congratulating each other. They're all running over to the bench. So it's it's. There's definitely, uh, you know, the last the last time we had a, a squad like this, um, it was the the team that came up to the Premiership the first time round. It was sort of went about forty games unbeaten. So, you know, it, it's a lot to do with the with the, the squad mentality and and I think definitely probably more options at the back. Um, and personally, I'd like I'd like to see. A sort of real, sort of like ball-winning, sort of midfield, sort of general type player, somebody that that you know we've not really had um, since Stuart himself played. You know, somebody that can actually like win the ball and actually like start an attack. You know, we could we could do with somebody like that. The other thing as well is that um, you know maybe a bit of white width as well. You know, um, so a couple of wingers maybe, and um, definitely we probably have to look at the striking options up front as well, you know, because I, I don't know what's going to happen there with regards to guys staying, whether other people come in and grab them. This is the thing as well, you know, our players will probably be in sort of targets for, for other clubs as well. So so what's the what's the financial situation at Ross County? Because I think the owner's got a bit of money, isn't he? He's a, he's a local guy. He is. Yeah, Roy, Roy's, Roy's fantastic. You know, he's, 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 a, he's a Ross County fan, to be honest. Um, you know, and he runs a very, very successful business. Um, He's involved with the oil industry, so um, you know Roy's Roy's ploughed a lot of his own money into the, into the club and stuff. There'll be money from going up to the top leagues, you know. But obviously, we'll have to spend quite a bit as well to strengthen the squad as well. So I'm sure, you know, we're we're dying to get sort of Friday out of the way and hopefully get either the draw that we need or or the win. I prefer the win to be honest. But if we can get over the line, then at least then the whole club and everybody around it can start planning and work out what's happening for next season. You know. Last time we spoke to you before becoming the the liaison officer, the supporter liaison officer, you were the drummer at Dingwall. Um, have you been banging your drum in the last few weeks? We'd be banging it on Friday against Queen of the South. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I had a bit of an issue uh, in the game against Dundee United um, when Jamie Lindsay scored. Uh, we got a wee bit excited in the jail end, and I ended up putting my drumstick through the drums. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh no! So, yeah, so it's burst. <laughs> well, it means you've got to buy a whole drum kit now to set up. Aye, well, I'll, for I'll the be with Roy. Aye. Queen of the South have got their own drum. They've got a guy who plays a drum. Maybe you could ask him. Oh, maybe ask him for a shot. Maybe the two of us will have a shot at the same drum or something. Aye. Neil Lennon returned to Easter Road on Sunday. Easter Sunday. Yep. But the champions drew nil-nil. Before we talk about Celtic, though, let's show some love to Hibs. Unbeaten in nine league games under Paul Heckingbottom. He's yet to taste defeat in the Premiership, lads. He's the boy. He kens what's going on. 
He does. He's, yeah. he's been mightily impressive since he came in. I, I think Hibs seem a much more professional outfit under Heckingbottom. Just watching them play is... They play nice football. They, it's positional football, so they all move to certain <clears> places <throat> to make sure there are passes open to keep the ball moving between the, or through the lines so they can actually keep it and play at the park. I don't know why every manager in the world doesn't do this. I don't understand it. They have really good stages of play. I seem to kind of remember thinking that there are, they do certain things in certain stages. So when they're defending, they're really obviously obviously really tight at the back. But there's so much movement up front when they're in possession of the ball. So Omionga, as much as he can break up play in that defensive midfielder role, he can also operate at the top of a diamond and he finds some really nice passes. And Daryl Horgan has been excellent yeah, since Heckingbottom <laughs> came in. Get him... More easier name to say, Paul. He nearly <laughs> Hibs were, should have been probably two 0 up in the first few minutes. Horgan had an excellent chance, and then he set up another, which um, I think it was Omianga just couldn't get on the end of. Yeah, and that's right. That was yeah, could have been two 0 But overall in the game, I think Lennon was saying that Celtic had enough chances to win the game. He's, he probably is right. Marciano had a, a brilliant game, uh, but they, they weren't. But they weren't great at all. They weren't, so, so weren't so clear chances. So did, yeah. so did Hibs. Ollie Shaw yeah. in the oh, final yeah, final yeah. minutes, yeah. Uh, and it was. I don't think Scott Bain knew much about it, oh, to no, be honest. Oh, it just hit his leg. Yeah, it could have gone you, through his legs. You saw Scott Brown's disgraceful, should be in jail dive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not on. Yeah, yeah. He, he leaves his leg out, doesn't he? He, he, uh, he knows what he's doing, but he doesn't He doesn't protest, <laughs> but he's trying to give the referee a decision. He too. knows. Johnny Hayes does that in the first half as well. Does he? That's yeah. right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So these last-minute winners for Celtic recently, is it masking a kind of pedestrian performance yeah. from Celtic well they've just been trundling away to the to the title and that's them had five nil nils in the league this season and two of them were under Rodgers as well so apart from the post winter break spell where they were scoring a few and keeping clean sheets they were never really firing on all cylinders in the league even when Rodgers was there and Lennon's just taken it on and they've, they've almost just been the same I know they play in a different style but in terms of results they're still drawn here and there and that's what they were like yeah. at the start of the season as well are they missing certain key players though to play when they came back from Dubai in January and they I mean they're still unbeaten well, in the league that's right? what so. they did they had Burke and Weir come in and injected a bit of life yeah. into them but Lennon's a bit more reluctant to play them I mean they're going to win the league well, they've won the league basically they're going to win the treble probably it's kind of hard to motivate players for games when you're just walking along towards the end of the league I'm not sure how Lennon would do much more with that what I can see on the pitch is that while Heckenbottom's got his players moving all around fluid and it's nice positions going on everywhere Celtic are really strictly like boxed so there's always players level with each other and you should have players farther ahead so you've got like a forward like diagonal vertical pass I guess that's actually determining for it but Sounds nerdy as hell. Well, there's an obvious style of play under Lennon um, where they just like to play it out to the wing and get crosses into the box. Yeah, but they don't have any but, striker. But, well, and also, and also they just double up on the winger. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's very easy to defend against. I, it's watching that um, Hibstelter game, you'd think, I can't believe Aberdeen got done 3-0 to them because it, if you play football, nice football, it turns out the way that we kind of set up for that semi-final is not the right way to hold Celtic. Although you could say that maybe they were far more motivated for that game against Aberdeen than they were for this game against Hibs. It's kind of difficult to work it out but uh, I think the way Higginbottom's got in Hibs playing they could even finish third because the momentum will take them through the rest of the season probably fourth 
Um, you said fourth earlier on. I know. Well, I've, <laughs> I've, I've got the advantage, so you'd think yeah. they'd maybe be there. But yeah. Well, I, I wonder if this will play into the minds of of the Celtic hierarchy with whether or not they're actually going to give Neil Lennon the job or not. But moving on, bottom club Dundee sunk to their eighth defeat in a row as St Johnston ran out two 0 winners at McDermott Park. Former player and ex Scotland captain Colin Hendry must have been annoyed in this game because his son Callum grabbed the second goal in this game and he's already scored against Dundee this month raging must be raging <laughs> what a guy Colin Hendry was yeah nice hair yeah. Uh, the free kick yeah. in this game the top corner goal oh yeah that's a free kick yeah. yeah that's how we should all take free kicks from now on although the goalkeeper does get a hand on it gets a hand on it but <laughs> I, I don't think you can blame him Tanzer can hit a free kick Dundee are I mean I don't want to use the alliteration they are doomed for Games won yeah, out of 34 all season long. They're, they're a really bad team in this league. They've got, <laughs> what, 18 points? And they've only they've only won seven points at home as well and conceded 70 goals. We, talk, we were talking about Fort William earlier. Dundee in the Premiership have conceded 70 goals. That just, you deserve to go down. I mean, you can't blame Jim McIntyre for, you know, completely overhauling the squad in January. I think he brought a new squad in in uh-huh. January, didn't yeah. he? But, Do you know what? You know, they're sixth in the wage bill in the Premiership. So mm. to be relegated is absolutely astonishingly bad. I mean, that's just poor acquisitions, isn't it? Terrible spending it's bar, of money. It's bar a miracle as well, isn't it, that they're going to stay up? So it's well, well. The yeah. Ma- Jim McIntyre so said he has to win every game. <laughs> they have yeah, to win every, every game. That's four games. They've only won four, so I I can't see it. They're down. Bye bye Dundee. Bye Dundee. Kind of sucks for them. Hamilton moved eight points clear of the D thanks to a late Marius Ogbo equaliser against Motherwell at New Douglas Park. NDP. People what? call it that, right? NDP? Yeah. I've never heard it I've like that. I've never heard it like that. No, I'm going to start that. You should. I just know it now as the Hope CBD Stadium, <laughs> isn't it, really? The Hope CBD NPD. Because that's the, that's the cannabis yeah, you know oil. Me. That's the cannabis oil, isn't it? Oh, would it? And how would you know about that? Because it was in an article and I read it. <laughs> But it's not it's not got the the drug effects to it, I've been told. But anyway, how big could that goal be for Hamilton? Nine. Yeah? Solid <laughs> nine. Eleven maybe? Nine. On a scale of <laughs> okay. to go. Hamilton, as we've been saying, they're really not very good either. And between that we're saying a bit earlier, between them and St. Mirren, I don't know who is really worse. I'd say maybe Hamilton well, right maybe now. Maybe say Hamilton as well. Yeah. Um, Motherwell are absolutely fine David Turnbull won all the awards that they have Yeah he did this yeah. Week. yeah he won player of the season Youth player of the season Players player of the season yeah. What was the fourth one? Um, Goal of the season? It was David Turnbull season. impression And also Give him a statue <laughs> <laughs> Get the boy a statue they might. Guys what do you think about Jake Hasty? Looks like he's off to Rangers uh, I'm yeah. not, Like I said before I'm not sure about this deal I don't think he's good enough and do, I, you think, do you think he's He's got the ability to be good enough, but it's too early for him to go. I just don't know if he's ever going to be. The, if Rangers, how much game time he's going to get, isn't it? Well, I think if Rangers want to be a Champions League team, which they do, right? Mm-hmm. They need players who can play at that level or near it. I don't see anything in Jake Hasty that. I I would love it if I was totally wrong, but I've not seen anything in him that he's anything other than a slightly unpolished, quite talented young player. But there are quite a lot of them and. Rangers will sign him, he'll do okay, and then they'll spend more money on someone who is instantly better. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, there you go, he's stuck on the bench and he's not managed to fill his potential. If you play when you're 18, 19, you get really, really good quite fast. Not a lot of players don't really go above that level. They get more experience, they're better in certain situations. But if you're a forward, 
generally you're quite good when you're young because you're creative and you come up with things and you've got pace fearless as well fearless yeah there you mm. go but as soon as you hit 26 I mean I'd love to be wrong and I hope it works out for both clubs well Motherwell are doing their business early as well they've got Declan Gallagher from Livingston mm-hmm. and now Liam Polworth from Inverness yeah, Polworth will be a good sign and he's, he's had a, especially in the Scottish Cup games he's been, he's been brilliant for them mm. quite interesting do you know why Brian Rice would have loved uh, the Marius Ogbo goal despite him getting a point no because he didn't even know he was a football player when he got to the club. He thought he was a waiter. <laughs> How does that happen? Uh, I don't know. Why, why would a manager assume there's a, a waiter in the training ground? Well, because he's... I don't know. He just... I think the when I read it, uh, he, he said, I just thought he was a big waiter. Because he's massive. Is he walking around in a tuxedo or something? I don't know. Right out in the training pitch. Yeah. He's coming around with hors d'oeuvres. That's it from us. We'll be back next Monday after Aberdeen v Rangers and Celtic v Kilmarnock. Can Kelly cancel the coronation? We'll speak to you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.